In our society, we striving from a message from God. God's messages transcend age, gender, socio-economic status, ethnicities, religious persuasions, political affiliations, and cultural restrictions that encourage and inspire people to become saved, delivered, and set free from the bond of sin, as well as, gain a closer relationship with God. This is God's Inputs for You with Evangelist. Dr. Sharon Westbrooks. Greetings, I'm Evangelist Dr. Sharon Westbrooks, the host of God's Inputs for You on the Resilient Christian Radio Network. Thank you for joining me for this broadcast. I appreciate each of you for tuning in. Have you ever heard the proverbial phrase, is the glass half full or is the glass half empty? The said phrase is used generally rhetorically to indicate that A particular situation could be a cause for pessimism, half empty, or optimism, half full, or as a general litmus test to determine simply whether a person has an optimistic or pessimistic perspective. For an optimistic perspective pertains to or is characterized by the tendency to take a favorable view of events or conditions and expects the most favorable outcome, whereas a pessimist perspective pertains to or is characterized by pessimism or the tendency to see the worst aspect of things or expects the worst outcomes. So, what is the driving force behind the different optimistic and pessimistic outlooks well I'm so glad you asked because extensive studies reveal the driving force behind the said outlooks is that our perceptions expectations and perspective we draw our actions therefore it is imperative that we understand and manage our perceptions expectations and perspectives godly. This broadcast will focus on managing perceptions, expectations, and perspectives godly. Everyone, without regard to our age, race, gender, socioeconomic status, political affiliation, religious preference, and etc., that have the mental intellectual capacity to reason has or will have a perception, an expectation, and a perspective. Perception and perspective are two words that deal with the way we perceive, understand, and interpret things, as well as influence our expectations greatly. Although the two words, perception and perspective, sound and look similar in the English spelling, we should not use them interchangeably. So, what is perspective? Well, a perspective is the angle or direction in which a person looks at an object. In simple words, it is our point of view. Different people have different perspectives. Putting oneself in others' perspectives always changes the perceptions of life. We might see the same scene or object in different ways when we use different perspectives, such as the proverbial half-full or half-empty cup phrase. 
The term perspective has several meanings in different contexts. In philosophy, perspective refers to the context of opinions, beliefs, and experiences. In literature, perspective refers to the point of view. The origin of the word perspective comes from the Latin word per speed car, which means to look and or see through and or beyond. Various dictionaries define perspective as a particular attitude toward or way of regarding something. The capacity to view things in their true relations or relative importance. The ability to consider things in relation to one another accurately and fairly, as well as the ability to perceive things in their actual interrelations or comparative importance, or to understand how aspects of the subject relate to each other and to the whole. In simple words, perspective is our point of view. Perspectives are very interesting because our perspectives are influenced or shaped by our experiences. Remember the proverbial glass half phrase? It is an example of how our experiences shape our perspectives. For example, if one views the glass is half empty, it is their perspective, is their perspective rather, driven by what they lost? Or maybe one's views the glass as half empty because something they expected but did not receive. How about if one views the glass as half full? Is their perspective driven by what they might have? For as I mentioned previously, our perspectives are a way of viewing or thinking about something based on our experiences and our personality. Now, Let's define expectations. Expectations serve as a basic function to prepare people for action. The choices people make are based on the expectations they hold for how their decisions will affect them and the world around them at some future time. Expectations range in certainty from a small possibility of occurrence to an almost certain occurrence. Expectations can be automatic and not given much thought. For example, expecting there will be sufficient oxygen available for breathing. Or, expectations can be deliberate, such as expecting your car to run after fueling it with the appropriate amount of gas. Additionally, expectations are what we anticipate from ourselves, from others, from our relationships, from our positions, from our, from our job, and etc. They are our personal beliefs about occurrences that may take place in the future. Expectations develop from a combination of an individual's experiences and knowledge. For example, if one has the knowledge that their friend's anniversary is next Saturday and experience indicates that their friend has a big wedding anniversary celebration dinner every year for the past 25 years on their anniversary day, then it is reasonable to have the expectation that their friend's wedding anniversary celebration dinner is likely to occur next Saturday. That is, if we expect a given event to happen, we are more likely to perceive that event happening, whether it really happened or not. Take the placebo effect, for example. 
A placebo is a harmless pill, medicine, or procedure that does not contain active ingredients. It is prescribed more for the psychological benefit to the patient than for any physiological effect. For instance, if an individual expects a pill or other sham treatment to relieve their problem, let's just say a headache, their headache will dissipate probably even if the pill or medicine is a placebo. In general, the greater the expectation, the greater the perceived effect, and the effect disappears when the subjects are informed that it was just a placebo. It is hard to overstate the power of this phenomenon. It, it works with everything from arthritis to bipolar disorder to cancer and etc. I did an extensive study about this um, when working on my doctoral degree. Interesting to note, a review of studies on cough medicine concluded that a staggering 85% of their effectiveness stems from the placebo effect, and only 15% is related to the medicine itself. The effect also changes based on the nature of the placebo given. For they noted that two sugar pills usually work better than one, Big pills usually work better than smaller ones. More expensive pills usually work better than cheaper ones. Brand name pills usually work better than generic ones. And saline injections are better than sugar pills. The effect also responds to cultural factors such as red pills work better as stimulants while blue pills work better as depressants because in our society, the United States, red is considered an energetic color while blue is thought as a calm color. Isn't that interesting? Now, let's define perceptions because remember, we're talking about perspective expectations and perceptions a perception is the way one sees reality ourselves other people in our lives our relationships or or our jobs perceptions also include the way we perceive the perceptions other people or groups have about us now isn't that interesting our perceptions influence our expectations They are the process of recognizing and interpreting sensory stimuli and or awareness. It is one's way to understand and gain insight. People have different perspectives when understanding things. They all have a way in which they view the world. However, when we refer to perception, we need to go a little deeper to understand its meaning. It deals more with the meaning that we provide to it. You know, this refers to our own interpretation of things. Think of all the ways in which you experience the world around you. For example, you recognize your favorite food by its aroma or possibly the way it looks. You recognize an orange by its round shape, citrus flavor, and its color. You recognize a song by listening to its melody and its singer's voice. It's through these sensory experiences that we interact with and interpret things in our world. Recognizing and interpreting sensory information such as sound and smells are all a part of perception. Perception also includes how we respond to the information. 
we can think of perception as a process where we take in sensory information from our environment and use that information in order to interact with our environment. Perception allows us to take the sensory information in and make it into something meaningful. For example, let's look at our perception of words. Each letter of the English alphabet is in itself a singular letter. When we perceive words, we think of them as one singular unit that is made up of smaller parts called letters. It is through this organization of letters into words that we are able to make something meaningful. That is, we perceive an entire word, and this word has a specific meaning that can be found in the dictionary. Perceptions and expectations are interdependent frequently because often our expectations are the result of our perceptions. Sometimes our expectations, including the failures of our expectations to be filled, influence our perceptions. This also works in reverse. If other people, like friends, employers, employees, and family, have unrealistic expectations of us or unrealistic perceptions of us, they will be disappointed or frustrated or annoyed with us a great deal of the time. Similarly, with perceptions, if the said other people's perceptions of us, and particularly of how our role should be fulfilled, is not true to reality, problems will occur eventually. The trouble with our expectations and our perceptions generally is that when they are either unrealistic or irrational, they affect our behavior and our relationships and our various roles and responsibilities and our emotional stability very seriously. To live with unrealistic expectations and perceptions, either our own or others, is to live with constant stress and frustration. Most of us desire to have a good perception and positive outlook on our lives, but I submit to you that a good perception is not necessarily a godly perception. So then, how is a good perception not a godly perception? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Our different experiences result in creating our own interpretations, our own insights, and our own viewpoint our own viewpoints and uh, interpretations and insights are not godly. See, our human expectations and perspectives are produced generally by our experiences, not our hope in God. We tend to focus on and or look at where we are now or what happened in our lives previously, not on what God can do and what God's plans are for our lives. Let's look at the inform, infirmed man in the fifth chapter of John to see how past experiences can impact and affect our perspectives and perceptions and expectations. John 5, 2-9 conveys, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went to Jerusalem. Now there 
is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I was coming, another stepped down before me. Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole. Now examining closely the previously read passages of scripture, we find something very, very interesting. When Jesus asked the impotent man, Wilt thou be made whole? Instead of the impotent man answering Jesus' question with yes emphatically, the impotent man began to provide excuses as to why he was in his present state. His perception did not allow him to look beyond where he was right then. The infirm man did not expect to be healed. Yes, he was in a place where numerous healings took place. However, he did not ever expect to be healed. His perspective was clouded by his life experiences at the pool. So instead of responding to Jesus with an emphatic yes, the important man began to make excuses. No doubt that over the years, the important man sought to defend or justify he was why he was not made whole. He sought to lessen the blame of and defend his being impotent for so many years. You know how we do. We try to rationalize why within ourselves, why we are not where we want to be. It's because I'm not pretty enough tall enough, smart enough, have the right friends, come from the right family, on and on. We make inadequate or poor reasons for why we did not accomplish this or do that or not get this or not obtain that. The impotent man expressed while he was on the way to the pool, someone else stepped in before him. Oh my God today, but a godly perspective looks through or beyond our human perspective. See, human perspective is like being on a submarine. All is underwater, and if you look out the window, all you see is blackness. God's perspective sees beyond what we see. We can compare his perspective to a periscope. For God sees where the submarine has been and where it is going. God is not limited in his perspective as we are. That's why Jesus was able to tell the important man to rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole. Despite the man's previous expectations.
patience. We, because I believe the word of God, we have to understand that with God, all things are possible. For over and over again, through the pens of the inspired writers of the word of God, we can find numerous scriptures denoting the limitless possibilities with God. Unfortunately, many of us forget or fail to realize our limitless possibilities with God. We allow our perspectives and perceptions to be distorted like the impotent man. I'm afraid most of the time in many people in many of our lives, um, they live there. Many people live their lives like they're looking through the wrong end of the binoculars. For if you pick up a pair of binoculars and look through the wrong end, there is no focus because everything will appear very far away. Everything looks unattainable. But when you have a godly perspective, it is like looking through a pair of binoculars correctly. Things come into focus and bring, you know, and it allows us to bring God's perspective into it things will be right up to you they're attainable you can achieve them there's another story in the Bible that I like let's look at Moses in Exodus 4 1 and 2 the Bible conveys and Moses answered and said but behold they will not believe me nor hearken unto my voice for they will say the Lord hath not appeared unto thee and the Lord said unto him what is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. <laughs> the previously read portion of scripture finds Moses being called to fulfill one of the greatest purposes God has for his life. But Moses' perspective is still being defined by his life experiences. His expectations are still being defined by his perspective for when God spoke with Moses Moses was living a life in exile and from the scriptures we can gather that he was insecure about himself broken defeated and fearful because of his past mistakes hence Moses's answer to God was but behold they will not believe me nor hearken unto my voice for they will say the Lord hath not appeared unto thee see Moses's perspective about himself was negative he could only look at the problem before him but thank God God is God God knew what he created Moses to do God replies to Moses what is that in thine hand Moses' distorted perspective about himself made him shameful disappointed and possibly so regretful that he did not realize his potential Moses was unable to see what he had what he could use what was in his hands but God let him know he had potential God was letting Moses know as well as us today that God can use what is in your hands to fulfill the purposes God has for your life Remember, God created everyone for purpose with a purpose in mind. I know it's so easy to feel inadequate and overwhelmed when we look at some of the negative things that happen in our lives. So, so much so that we forget or fail to look at all of the natural aptitudes or skills and abilities and talents that God gave us to fulfill his purpose for our lives. What is in your hand? 
today. For God will never have a purpose for you that he does not supply everything that you need to fulfill that purpose. What is in your hands? See, a godly perspective looks through the impossibilities and asks, what can God anoint or bless me to do with what I have right now? A godly perspective can take what's in our hands and have us living beyond our natural ability and capacity. A godly perspective can put us in places we never dreamed of. And all of this starts with us using what is in our hands right now. See, perspective changes both our view and our attitudes. A writer, Marley Hardon, says, I must accept the limitations that are forming me into what God called me to be. My limitations may be mundane, not glamorous or noble. Something a maid could do. I must commit myself to look at the opportunities and limits of family, home, washing, cleaning, illness, etc., and see them as the sun, rain, and food that will grow me into what the Lord has designed me to be. We must not become people who have lost the overall perspective of God's plan and are looking for significance rather than magnificence. Sometimes we may not see the whole picture until we are in eternity. That's why I like Esther in the Bible so much. She was a beautiful and charming that the king chose her. It's not that she was clever in the way she got what she wanted out of the king by wearing her best gown and standing in the right light. She could be passed off as just another beautiful woman if it were not for those five little words, if I perish, I perish. That's when Esther expressed her magnificence. Esther had no idea what God was going to use her for, but she used what she had to save her people. Perhaps she didn't even know she had it in her to say, if I perish, I perish. Although her danger was great and evident, considering the expressness of the law, the uncertainty of the king's mind, and the severity which the king showed Esther's predecessor, Vashti, Esther did not neglect her duty to God and to his people. She said she would go to the king and cast herself cheerfully and resolutely upon God's providence for her safety and success. She did not allow her the experiences of others or before her to deter her from doing what was right. Her godly perspective enabled her to look Past the right now to do what was right. <laughs> Look in Esther, read this story. It's awesome. So don't forget about the proverbial glass phrase and use a godly perspective for Romans 3 and 8 says, All things work together for good to them that love God, to them which are called according to his purpose. Be like the three Hebrew boys when the Israelites were taken captive in Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar built a tower in gold statue and ordered everyone to bow down and worship or else be thrown in a fiery furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were Refused to renounce their faith in God by bowing down to the statue. They were turned over to Nebuchadnezzar. You can find these words in Daniel 3, 
14-18, Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. The situation looked awful for the three young men, <laughs> but they didn't they had a godly perspective. Well, if you keep reading the third chapter of Daniel, you will find the outcome. King Nebuchadnezzar threw the three king, young men into the furnace. But when he looked up, there were four men walking around inside the furnace. What I like about the history of the three young men is that the only thing that was burned up were the ropes that had them bound and the men that threw them into the furnace. The three young men were able to walk out of the fiery furnace unscathed they didn't look like or smell like they went through the fiery furnace they were promoted and the king proclaimed God's greatness your godly perspective has the ability to help others come to know God's greatness and move you into greater places and to Take away anything that binds you up. I'm so glad I love God. And I love that story. It's one of the greatest demonstrations of God's undeniable power. It's a great testimony of three men who had a godly perspective. They faced death and remained committed to their faith, to their God. It's a great message of God's ability to rescue his people from a certain death. But I think one of the reasons it is great for this broadcast is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a godly perspective, godly expectation, you know. They expected God to do the impossible. They knew that even if they had to go into the fire, the God that they served was able to save them. And I want you to believe the word of the Lord for you to have the right perspective, perceptions, and expectations. Luke 1 and 37 conveys for with God nothing shall be impossible. Philippians 4 and 13 conveys I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Mark 10 and 27 conveys and Jesus looking upon them saith with men it is impossible but not with God for with God all things are possible Luke 18 and 27 conveys and he said the things which are impossible with men are possible with God <laughs>
Jeremiah 32 and 17 conveys, O Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. You too must realize that even if God doesn't save your marriage, even if God doesn't heal your child, even if God doesn't provide you with a new job, even if God doesn't save you from bankruptcy court, or even if God doesn't give you a relationship with your estranged father or mother, even if he doesn't rescue your son or daughter or spouse or loved one from an addiction whatever you're even if God does it might be I have good news because you can depend on God God will see you through ensure you keep a godly perspective perception and expectations oh my god my time is out but i do not want to end this broadcast without sharing with you that john three sixteen conveys for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life additionally romans 10 9 through 10 conveys that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved for with the heart one believes unto righteousness with the mouth confession is made unto salvation if you believe sincerely Romans 10 9 through 10 I ask you to pray this brief prayer of salvation with me Gracious God, our Father, I acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died for my sins, and you, God, raised Jesus from the dead. I ask you to create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me so I might serve you. Save me and forgive me of my sins. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you prayed the previously prayer with me, you are saved, meaning you are a child of God, a new creation. All of your previous sins are forgiven. For that reason, please read your Bible and pray every day. Join a church that teaches the word of God. Well, I appreciate you listening to this broadcast. You may follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and the RCR Network. Please become a network uh, partner with us. Um, and remember what I say unto one, I say unto all, watch and pray. Live holy every day. And remember much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. I love you. God bless you. Make wise choices. Thank you for listening to God's Inputs for You with Evangelist, Dr. Sharon Westbrook. Tune in next time with D.R. Westbrooks about God's word for your life. Somebody ought to celebrate the awesome God. God's Inputs for You is copyrighted by Dr. Sharon Westbrooks Ministries and the Resilient Christian Radio Network.